I want to talk to you today about, I know it's a short break, but I want to uh, cover a lot today. Uh, I've done this, I, I remember I was sitting here the first time in 1978, almost 45 years ago, uh, first time I preached from this platform. And uh, I still saw new things this week that I never saw in the Bible. And I love, I love just thinking things through and trying to understand things. And so uh, I want to do that today. And, and uh, I may be a little bit disjointed and some things I just saw, but I wanted to talk to you and to bring a fresh view of communion. Everybody say communion. First Peter, everybody, why won't everybody stand up if you would now that you're comfortable and everything is situated right? Won't you stand up just for a minute? And uh, I want you to do this. I want to read it together. Read verse First uh, Peter one eighteen through nineteen. And I don't read in any kind of uh, easy way. I just kind of read. And so I want you all to read with me, if you would, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And I want to talk to you today about the precious blood of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we love you today. We thank you. We pray for your grace and anointing on our lives. Father, open our eyes one more time like you did those disciples that they can see you. Father, we want to see you today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said a good amen. 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 Look at somebody and say, have you lost a little bit of weight? Just look at somebody and say, have you lost a little bit of weight? You know, you wonder, uh, like this week, uh, uh, things just come in my brain that hadn't come in before. One was, I said, I wonder what blood type Jesus was. How many of you are blood type A? Listen, how many blood type A? Uh, how many uh, blood type B? Uh, got any A, A, B negative? That's, I think, the most rare of all or something like that. Got one A, B negative? Okay. Uh, how many of you don't know what blood type you are? How many of you have most of you don't know what blood type you are? Well, Jesus, I found out this week what blood type he was. He's PB, precious blood. Come on, somebody. Because one of the keys about blood, one of the most unique things about your body is your blood. We don't like to think about it much. Uh, my daughter, she's one of the, the singers here, the worship leaders on, on stage. But she, uh, she, when she was, went to college, she went for different things and she tried different things out. And she, one of the things she tried was being a teacher. And the first time a child threw up on her, she said, okay, that's the end of that. We're not doing that. And then she tried to be a nurse. But first time blood came in the picture, that was the end of that career. And, uh, but blood is one of the most important things, one of the most unique things about our body. In Acts chapter 20, in fact, Paul said, Be, uh, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Maybe you know the birth of Jesus was literally without a earthly father that Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. The angel said the Holy Spirit will come upon you and that which is conceived in you will be of the Holy Spirit. So the blood, you know, the blood is always, it's contributed by the father and the mother. And in, in Jesus' case, the father was God himself. And Paul talks about in the books of Acts and literally calls the blood, the blood of God. So when we talk about uh, communion this morning, listen, the blood is powerful. Revelation says it this way. It says, and the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and of authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down who accuses them night and day before God. And they conquered him how? And they conquered him how? Listen, there is power in the blood. And let's talk about it a little bit this morning. I, Paul, David said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And the blood, Genesis, when God created the first human being, he, he named him Adam, or Adam as we call it, but Adam. The word Dom, Adam, it literally means blood. It's a Hebrew word for blood. And the reason was it means red or rosy in appearance. And the reason God called him that was because he did in Genesis 2 and verse 7, it says it this way. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. So when God first made Adam, he, he created him from the dust. How I many glad they didn't have pledge back in that day? Come on, somebody. He created him from the dust of the ground. 
And when he created him, he was, he was dirt color. He was just, uh, you know, dust color. Until God did something that the Bible says, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And that's when he became rosy face, or uh, the color of there. And so, therefore, he was called Adam, or Adam. The first name had to do with blood. In Leviticus 17, verse 11, God further established uh, the, the, the mystery of the blood. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I've given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your soul. Now watch this. The life of the, of, of the life of the flesh is in the blood. Therefore, I have given it to you for, on the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life that is in the blood. Look at verse 14. For the life of every creature is, it, it, it's, is its blood. Its blood is its life. Therefore, I've said to the people of Israel, you shall not eat the blood of any creature for the life of every creature is its blood. Whoever eats it shall be cut off. So life is a, in the fact, the word for life in the Hebrew is nephesh. And it literally, in other words, the soul of the flesh is in the blood. Genesis four in verse uh, Genesis four, it speaks about the first murder. And where Cain kills Abel. And Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother and Abel and killed him. And the Lord said, Cain, where's Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know him. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The void. Now, what's, notice, we'd have been there. We'd have just seen a red stain on the ground. If you were a doctor or maybe if you were a scientist, you'd have seen, the, you know, you think about the, you know, the, the white and the, and the red. But, but when God came on the scene, God said... I hear the voice of your brother's blood crying out to me because God said the life, the life of the flesh is in the blood. It has a life force. There, there's a, and so God says, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. We would don't listen with what God saw was a nephesh, the life force, the life of the flesh that was in the blood. What does that mean? The voice of thy brother's blood. What does it mean? Let me show you something uh, with uh, that, that. I think that's amazing. Animals have a nephesh. The book of Leviticus talk about it. It says the animals that you sacrifice, they, have, they, don't, have a, they don't have a spirit. So animals do not have, I had a friend of mine one time that he told his sister, he, they were young and he told his sister, his sister's dog had died and she wanted to know if the dog would be in heaven or not. And he said, absolutely not. And she went screaming to the house, crying, crying. He said, when he heard his name called all three parts of his name, he changed his theology. Come on, somebody, it's, animals go to heaven. But, but. But it's literally, but animals don't have a nef they have a nephesh, a life force, a soul, but they don't have eternal life. They don't have a, a, a spirit like we do. And so, and it goes where the life force is. It's in the blood. And that's why God had us, had the Old Testament. They had them sacrifice animals because it was a life for a life when you had to deal with atonement. I like the blood as a force of life. Look at Hebrews chapter 9. I'm going to go through this real fast. You got to hang on fast. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood and without the shedding of blood. Because remember, the life, the nephesh is in the blood. So it says the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Thus, it was necessary. Now, now I want you to listen to this. He said, listen, the shedding of blood, why? Because under, for, for in order there to be an atonement for sin, one life has to be substituted for another life. So God put in animals this nephesh. God put in animals blood. God put in animals this life force. That under the Old Testament, he, he allowed them to take what, what should have been their life being given because of their sin. To substitute a, a nephesh, a, the life of an animal. The, neath, the blood of an animal could purify, could make an atonement, cover their sin. It wouldn't, it wouldn't get rid of it. And I always like to say this. It was like, like little IOUs being piled up until the day came when, when the debt was due. 
But they would just they would just cover the sin. They would take in the mercy seat. And he would put the blood there of these animals of a lamb without spot or blemish, and, and we'd, he would place it there. But they had to do it year after year after year after year because it only covered it. It didn't take it away. And so it says it was necessary. Now, now watch this. This is an amazing thing. I want you to see this. It was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things. Now, stop a minute and think that through. He's saying the tabernacle and, and all that they had on earth was a copy of what was real in heaven. So the tabernacle that they were a part of wasn't just some... It Literally, when Moses uh, built this, he was taken into heaven. Remember, he went to the mount for 40 days and 40 nights. And the Bible says God showed him things there. And that he said, make sure that you build on earth what you see, what I show you in heaven. And he saw the heavenly tabernacle. And so he replicated it to the T on earth. So it says it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, with the blood, with the nephesh of animals. But the heavenly things. Now, here is this. Here is what grabbed me this week. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices that now stay right there a minute. The copies on earth was being purified by the blood, the nephesh of animals, the life forces in their blood. And so God was allowing them to take the life force of animals and, and, and purify the copies of, of the real thing that was in heaven. But when it came to the thing in heaven, the animal blood wouldn't do. Come on, somebody. The animal blood wouldn't do. God said it took a better sacrifice to purify the heavenly things. Now, what I liked about that was and what grabbed me, though, was I understood we're talking about Jesus. But what grabbed me was why, why did the heavenly things need to be purified? Why did the, why did the, the one in, why did the, what Moses saw, why was that needing to be purified? What he built on earth. So these, let me just stop right here and say time out because this is my own thoughts. Okay. Everybody say, this is my own thoughts. You think about this. I'm not going to, what I'm about to say, you think it through because I'm just, it just interested me. And I thought it's okay to share with you today. It's okay just to share with you and you take it and you chew on it. And, And I used to say this, if you can't spit out the bones, don't eat fish. Come on, somebody. When you book, when you read the book of Isaiah and Ezekiel, they, they personify the king of Tyre. But then, as they many, many times do in the Old Testament, what they're talking about, this earthly person, it's really, the, it, it's even beyond the, the, to have, you know, in the Bible it says God called his son out of Egypt. He's talking about the nation of Israel when he brought him to Egypt. But then it, it, it's, it's also talking about the Lord Jesus. And, and many scholars believe, and I do too, that in Isaiah and Ezekiel, he's, he's, he's lamenting the king of Tyre. But then he goes beyond the king of Tyre to, to what, who we call Satan. And I want you to read this, Isaiah 14. Do I have that one? Isaiah 14. Which, oh, here we go. How are you fallen from heaven, O day star, son of the dawn? How are you cut down to the ground? You who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will set on the mount of the assembly in the far reaches of the north. And many scholars believe that this literally is the fall of Satan. Where and what happened? We're just giving, we're just giving little nitpits about. So where did he come from? When was he created? What? As far as we can tell, he was an angelic, one of the angelic hosts. One of the great, maybe even an archangel as Gabriel and, and Michael were. And we don't know, but he was, a, it appears he was a leader of, of the worship in Ezekiel chapter 28. It says it this way. You were in Eden, the garden of your God. Every precious stone was your covering. Sardis, topaz, diamond, beryl, onks, and jasper, sapphire, emerald, and a carbuncle. And crafted in gold were your setting, uh, setting sand, your engravings. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were an anointed guardian cherub. 
I placed you and you were on the holy mountain of God in the midst of the stones of fire you walked. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until, until unrighteousness was found in you. In the abundance of your trade, you were filled with the violence in your midst and you sinned. So I cast you as profane thing from the mountain of God and I destroyed you. O guardian cherub from the midst of the stones of fire. Many believe that's referring, even though it's, it's, it's directed toward the king of Tyre, that it has beyond that is talking about what happened to this, this, this uh, cherub we, called, as we now call Satan. And so where did it happen? Where did this take place? It took place in heaven. It took place in, in, in the, where there had been no rebellion ever. Can you imagine there was a time when there was never, ever had been a sin? You didn't have to worry if somebody spoke to you. You didn't, it didn't even come into your brain that it would, could have been untrue or, or, or everything was truth. Everything was real. Everything was righteous. Everything was good. How many know it's coming again one day? Come on. But, but there was a time when all that was, but then in, and it's not giving us any reasons. And I know all the arguments and all the, 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 the theological thinking of why and how and how could this, da, da, da. but it happened. And there came a time when Lucifer fell and rebellion stepped foot where rebellion had never taken place before. Whether that's part of it, I don't know. But listen, to this. the Bible says that the copies in heaven, I mean, the copies on earth was with with animal sacrifice. But the real thing in heaven needed to be cleansed with some better sacrifice. Now, think that through. Just think all the ramifications. The things in heaven, but the, but the true one, the, the, all the copies were being, but the true one must be purified with a better sacrifice. Was that why part of, I don't know, I, it, you can, all different things I could say. But I want you to look at this. I believe that from the death of Abel until the death of Jesus, nobody went there. Now, listen, listen to this. From the death of Abel... To the death of Jesus, nobody went to the new, to the real place up, up in heaven. That all these copies on earth was made. The tabernacles, the temples. From the death of Abel to the death of Jesus, nobody went to the house of the Lord in heaven. I know you got the argument with, with Elijah and Enoch and that's a whole different story. But let me say, nobody went to heaven from the death of Abel to the death of Jesus. And I want you to see this in Luke chapter 16. In fact, I do a whole teaching on this, but I'll just throw this out. The poor man, you remember the, the, the rich man in Lazarus? The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. This is, this is the ending of the story. The, the, the beggar dies, all right? <clears throat> the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, or Sheol, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus and dip the end of your finger in water and cool my tongue for I am in anguish in this flame. And Abraham said, child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus in his manner, the bad things. But now he's comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all this, this nobody else has, had ever said this. Jesus comes on the scene. <coughs> And he tells us something, what happens to people when they die. And no one else had ever told this. No one else had ever explained this. And I always believe, I believe every parable Jesus ever told was of real people. I believe every story Jesus ever told was, he didn't make it up. All, you know, you heard some stories and it's not, every story he ever told, I believe was real. And he tells this story and he speaks about a place where there's, there's Abraham's bosom and there's this, this, this anguish place. And then he talks, he said, there's a big gulf between the two. Watch this. He says, and besides all this, between us, you, a great chasm has been fixed. In order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. No one ever heard of this before. Here's two people that died during Jesus' day. And he says, here's what happened. Here's where they go. Here's where the good ones and here's where the bad ones. They went to the same place. But one side of it was Abraham's bosom. One side of it was anguish. 
And, and dividing the two was a great chasm that those here could not pass over and those here could not pass over. Never heard of that before. Never knew that. In fact, I, 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 okay, look at this. In, in Luke chapter 2, at 12 years old, Jesus, who never sinned, though, was a perfect 12-year-old. And he leaves his mom and dad. And his mom and dad, they're in Jerusalem for the Passover. And they leave. And when they leave, he just stays in Jerusalem. And his parents go with a big group. They figured he's with the, you know, the other teenage boys. You know, he's over there, da, da, da. Well, three days journey, they find out he's not here. How many think that's a little, you know, three days journey? <laughs> takes you three days to figure out your kid's not there. So, they, he's not, but he's the oldest. So, you, they had a bunch of other kids, you know. They had a bunch of kids. How many know when you got a bunch of kids, the oldest is like he's an adult anyway. You know, he's an adult. So, we got the little kid. So they got a bunch of kids now. They got a lot of brothers and sisters, you know, between Joseph and Mary. And three days later, they come back to Jerusalem. You imagine they're not in a good mood because they're dragging all these kids back with them. Da, da, da. And when his parents saw him, he was in the, he was in the temple. Now, I want you to watch this. They were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Do you not know? That I must be in my father's house. Now I want, you, I want you to catch this. He's 12 years old. Did he sin? Absolutely not. Was he a typical 12 year old? Absolutely. Should he have went in with them? Absolutely. You know, da, da, da. But he said. I'm, didn't you know I must be in my father's. Everybody say house with me. House. Don't you know I have to be in my father's house? Now watch this. And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus, watch this, increased in wisdom and stature in favor with God. He increased in wisdom. Now, I want you to get this because here's Jesus, 12 years of old. And he says, I've got to be in my father's. This is the, this is the copy, the copy of the real thing that's in heaven. But he's 12 years old. He's 12 years old. And so at this point, he's saying, this is my father's house. I had to be in my father's house. But watch this. He's going to grow in wisdom. And over 20 years later, growing 20 years later, he's now in his 30s. 20 years later, he has a better understanding of what his father's house is. And what, look what he says in John 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house. Was he talking about earthly copy? <laughs> no, no. He'd already grown in wisdom. For 20 some years he'd grown in wisdom. And now he understood that the earthly tabernacle. The earthly temple was just a copy. Of the real house of God in heaven. And he looks at him, and I want you to notice this. He did not say, I'm going to go there and build you a house. Watch what he said. In my father's house. See, the father's house was already built. It, it had been copied by this earthly time. He was, he's not in the carpentry business anymore. He's in the high priestly business now. So he's not building you something. He's not been built. Oh, God's been building me a house for 2,000 years. Stupid, stupid, stupid. He said, in my father's house. It's already done. My father's house is there. And in it, there's many, many rooms. But notice what he said he had to do to it. I have to go and prepare. Now, how many of you husbands, when your wife leaves for a week or two... The day before she comes back, you got to prepare. Come on, somebody. Some, sometimes you got to rent a bulldozer. Come on, you know what I mean? <laughs> so he's standing there and he says to them, in my father's house, the real one in heaven. At 12 years old, it was, it, but now at 33, in my father's house are many rooms. But see, nobody's, nobody's got to go there yet from Abel all the way to Cain. Because when they died, they went... They, they, I'll show you this. When they died, they went down. 
and because Hebrews, let's go back to Hebrews 9. says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered, watch this, not into holy places made with hands, the copies. Which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. (laughs) I'm getting excited up here. On presence of God on our behalf. He literally, listen, not only did earth wait in anticipation of the of, of, of the crucifixion of the Lord, not only did earth wait in anticipation, heaven waited in anticipation. And on the third day when Jesus arose, listen to this, he took his own... Watch Ephesians. Look what Ephesians says. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, you remember the Mount of Olives when he goes up and they're all standing and staring and, and the angel said, why are you staring? Go get to work. And therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. Who, who, were, who, were, who did he lead a host of captives that day, because see, when he died, he did exactly what everybody else did. He went down. Where did he go? Listen, Sheol literally was in the center of the earth. Now, what, what, should we say? what are we talking about? Watch. When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men in saying he ascended. What does it mean but that he also descended Into the lower regions of the earth. Where was this Abraham's bosom and and, uh, and anguish and the big gulf? Where was it? It was in the center of the earth. Somewhere in the lower regions. And think this through. Because everybody in the Old Testament, when it says they died, it says they, they were buried. They went down. You remember when Saul... King Saul was got a medium and he wanted to speak to Samuel. You remember that? You remember what the Bible says? It says the soul of Samuel came up. It came up. It, it, it came up. And so everyone that died from Abel, Cain killed Abel to Jesus, went down into this place. And even though it was, it was a place of, of comfort, it still was a captivity. It was in the center of the earth. And on the other side was the place of anguish. And when Jesus died, where was he those three days and three nights? His, his body was in the tomb. He was down in Abraham's bosom. Peter says he was preaching <laughs> to the captives. How many think it, it was a great three days down in Abraham's bosom when Jesus got down there? Now watch this. He went, it's in the lower regions of the earth. And then uh, read Matthew 27. Watch this. When Jesus died, the centurion was standing there watching the cross. And when he died, the Bible says, when Jesus cried, it is finished. And he lowered his head. And he ba- the Bible said he didn't, his head didn't fall. He said he bowed his head as a king he was. He gave up his nephesh. He gave up his life. And the Bible says at that moment, two things happened. The veil in the temple from the top to the bottom was rent in two. And the rocks were rent. What rocks were around there? Gravestone rocks. Now, I love this. The tombs also was opened. And you read another way. I don't have time to read all the scripture. But it says they just opened up and they stayed open. And nothing happened for three days. The Bible says nobody came out of those tombs until he came out of the tomb. They are, the tombs, the tomb rock just open up. Can you imagine if it had been your gravesite, your loved one's gravesite, and the tomb, the rock that, that covered is, is broken. See, these two things are, are related, the, the, the veil breaking and the, and the rocks, because what's going to happen is, listen, God's getting ready. God's about to purify the real thing in heaven so that everybody can come to heaven. Come on, somebody. everybody can go to the Father's house now. And so Jesus, I want you to watch this because it, it's inter, uh, just fascinating stuff here to, to my brain. Matthew 27. So go back to Matthew 27, sorry. 
And he says, they, the tombs were open and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Why is that? Because he's bringing, uh, he's bringing the captives out of Sheol, bring them back to earth. Now, but watch this. This is my own thinking. So you take about it and, and do what you want. Watch this. John chapter 20. This is right after the resurrection. Jesus has come from Sheol. He's ascended now. But he doesn't just shoot straight up into heaven. He comes with the captives and he stops when he, he's, he's reunited with his body and he comes out of the tomb. Now watch what happens. He's not taking anybody to heaven yet. And we don't know where, where, where are the souls. We don't know. Because you, you, you don't think uh, the same way as you do physically uh, about uh, space. Because remember the, the man with the, with the demonic at Gadaria. Remember him? He said his name was Legion. A Legion was 6,000. That man had 6,000 demons in him. How many think, think he was a little bit pudgy? But he had 6,000. But see, that's why, that's why you don't... You don't Count in spirit realm the same, you know, you need, you know, 6,000 seats. You don't need that. He brought all, every soul that had gone to Abraham's bosom from Abel to his death. He brought all of those captives. Ephesians says he led a host of captives with him. But when he got to earth, he then was reunited with his body. And here's the first appearance. It happened. This is. Mary, she said to Mary, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabano, which means that Rabino's teacher. And she said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Watch this. But go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said, I'm ascending to my father. What I believe happened was this. He comes. A host of captives from Sheol. Brings them back. He is now reunited with his body. He then leaves them there. Some Because the Bible says some of them. Got reunited with their bodies. And that was the first Easter parade. Come on somebody. Down the streets of Jerusalem. I believe at that point. They stay here. I don't know for what length of time. I have no idea. But he goes to heaven and takes his blood and purifies the, the, the real tabernacle, the house of God in heaven. And God says, welcome everybody. Everybody come on in. Everybody come on. Everybody come on. Everybody say amen. Ain't it something? Let me show you something else. When Jesus was on the cross... In Mark 15, he dies, he dies quickly. He dies within hours. Crucifixion was a torturous execution that the Romans had devised that men that were crucified would last days. They would last days on the cross because the way you died on the crucifixion was you died from suffocation. You would push yourself up with your, with your leg, your, your ankle, you know, your feet was with, with the nail and you'd hold it as long as you could, and then you'd let go. And then as you hung there, you'd, you'd start suffocating. You'd push yourself up. And it was a, it was a cruel, uh, cruel uh, death that the Romans had done. And so, but men would last for days and days. In fact, the two criminals that's, that's, that's crucified with him, they last longer than Jesus does. In fact, watch, watch, watch Pilate's amazement at this. Watch. Joseph Arimathea, a respected member of the council who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he'd already died. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. And something in turn he asked, is, is it really, is it, did he really die so quickly? When he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. I want you to get that because he, he, Jesus died. Look, look at John 19. It says, since it was a day of preparation and so the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and they might be taken away. Soldiers came and broke the two legs of the first and of the other one. They were still alive, had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. You say, why? Is he, was he less of a man than the other two criminals? 
No, no, listen. He spent most of his life chiseling stone. You know, we call him a carpenter, but literally in that day, it was a stonemason. He was, there was very little lumber in, in Palestine, and everything was made out of stone. He was a stonemason. Let me know a stonemason would have some pretty good muscles on him, and, and he was, he, 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 in his life. He didn't die because he was less than a man. The other two men didn't live long because they were more of a man. I love this. Look, look at Matthew 26. It says, Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful. It's in the garden of Gethsemane. Even to death, remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. I read a medical doctor talked about this. And he, he said, You know what I believe? He said, Jesus, his nephesh, his life force of his blood was pure. There was something about the blood of Jesus that, that, that his blood came from God himself and Mary. And if she contributed to O, if you know how all that works, it would have been, you know, the blood of God would have been done. But, but there was something about the blood of Jesus that this doctor says, you know what? It flowed freely. <laughs> Come on, somebody. And he gave his life. He did not get his life taken from him. He gave his life. And let me tell you, other, he still flows freely today. One last thing today. 1 Peter 1.18. I know it's a lot, but hold, hold your seats. 1 Peter says, knowing that you were ransomed. Look at somebody and say, you were ransomed. Just say it to somebody, would you? The word means to buy back. It was used of the slave agora, the slave trade of that day. And many of the slaves could be bought back. And the Bible says, by his blood, you were ransomed. Mark 6, I mean, Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a what? A ransom. You were legally bought by God. 1 Corinthians six twenty. I know you're a little bit overloaded, but let me just finish here. For you were bought with a price. Look at 1 Corinthians 7. You were bought with a price. Do not become servants of sin. Second Peter chapter 2 says, But false prophets also arise among the people, just as they will be false teachers among you, secretly bringing destructive heresies, denying the master who bought them. And Acts 20 again, it says, The church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Aren't you glad, aren't you glad God didn't ask what the price was? God gave. In Revelation 5, it says to Jesus, Between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden boughs full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll to open the seal for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed the people for God from every tribe, language, people. Would you look at somebody and say, that includes me. Just say somebody, hey, that includes me. You are legally, legally belong to God. Now, these are the hardest things to open I've ever seen in my life. So would you go ahead and start trying to get the bread out without getting the juice open? I tried up here. I didn't do it. And so Nick gave me one already opened. Would you go ahead and start the video? We're going to play a video behind us while we're doing this. And this is the 30 things the blood does for you. And I want you just to, I want you just to approach communion this morning with a new appreciation of the power of communion. In Hebrews, the Bible says, Jesus said, a body thou hast prepared for me. On the last supper was the, also the meal of, of, of uh, Passover. When Jesus ate that meal that night, he was celebrating Passover. And he took what elements that were available to him, and it was bread and wine. And, and I tell people all the time, there's nothing magical about bread or wine. It could have been anything when you're somewhere. We had a speaker one time, Richard Wormbrandt, told me the best, the, one of the most powerful communions he ever had was in prison with nothing. They just imagined, and they, they, they had communion together. And 
the bread, the bread of that day had stripes on it. The bread of that day had holes in it, punctured. And it had to do with what what the blood the, the, the bread represented was his body because the body carried the blood that he had. And the life of life of that was in his blood, but the body, the Bible says that by his stripes you were healed. And I love it that night when he took took and instituted what we call the Lord's meal was he did it he did it during the time of of the Passover. And and that's what the Passover was a picture of. The Passover was a picture of what he did, the meal that we took. And the very first Passover, I want you to remember, because you need to get the power of this. If you approach communion as just, oh, another another day of communion. Listen, the first time this ever took place, the picture of it was in the Old Testament, was called Passover. The first time they ever did it, God said they were they were slaves in Egypt. They'd been slaves for over 400 years. And God comes on the scene and he says, I want every house to take a lamb. And I want you, I want you to take it. And he said, I, I want you to, 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 and he gave the directions how to, how to slay it, then how to cook it. They had to do it with fire. They couldn't do it any other way. It had to be fire. And he said, listen, then I want you, and I want you to get this because when they came out of Egypt, when they did it, they had to have their staff in their hands and their coats on and, and, and their thing. They, listen, that, they had to be ready to go. In fact, when, he, when, he, when they took that meal that night, they, were, they, were, they had their shoes on their feet. They, they had their staff in their hand, their coats on, their hats on. They're packed up. They're ready to go. Because God said, you're going to have deliverance tonight. You're going to eat this meal. And this meal is going to produce, it's going to have a deliverance. It's going to be a power to this meal. And then Jesus at the, la- at the last Passover, he attended. He then instituted us a meal. And I've always said this. If that meal in the Old Testament was so powerful, how much more powerful is the meal that he left for us to take of? God is everywhere. God fills the universe. But God is not manifested everywhere. And where God manifests the most, I've found in my life, is when communion is taken. God manifest himself. So I want you to close your eyes just for a minute. And I say, Lord, thank you for this bread. Thank you for your body that you never, ever sinned. You never gave in to your flesh. You never one time. Thank you for laying your body down for us. Oh, God, we love you in Jesus name. Everybody say, thank you, Lord. Take the bread, break it and then partake of it. You know, when, when they took that lamb and, and they would kill the lamb, God said, I want you to do something. He said, I want you to take the blood of that lamb. And I want you to go to your door. And on each side of that door, I want you to, to smear the blood on the left side and on the right side. And then I want you to take the blood. I want you to smear it on the I want on the door on the lintel. I want you to smear it across the top. He never said put it on the floor. He never trampled the blood. Come on, somebody! You don't trample the blood. But he said something's going to happen tonight. Something bad's going to happen tonight. I'm going to send a death and not a demon. A death angel is going to go. Across Egypt. And it doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Egyptian. If there's no blood on the door. The death angel is going to kill the firstborn of every house. Of every animal. Of every living thing in Egypt. This night. The judgment is the same. Whether you're Jew or Egyptian. It doesn't matter. The only thing that's going to protect you. From the strongest force of a, of a death angel. The only thing that's going to protect you. Is the blood of a lamb. 
And the Bible says that night that those that believed and, and obeyed the Lord took that blood and they put it on the doorpost and they put it on the lintel and they, and, and they stayed in their houses. And that's why it was called Passover. When that death angel came into the land of Egypt, every house he saw the blood on the doorposts, he passed over that house. And they were delivered. Oh, listen. Take the, take the cup in your hand right now. And I don't know what deliverance you need tonight. I don't know what you need uh, protection from. I don't know what you need. It's more powerful than a, than a bazooka. It's more powerful than a tank. It, it, the power of the blood of Jesus. When you take communion. You're doing what those Jews did in that day where they put the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel. You're doing what they did. You're applying the blood of Jesus to your family and to your life. And can you imagine sitting in that house thinking, I, I, I just got a wooden door. There's just, just, just maybe cloth windows over here. And, but the power of the blood for that death angel to pass over. And this morning, I want you to do that. I want you to take this. And in doing this, you're doing it by faith. But you are doing just what those Jews did when they painted those doorposts. You're putting the blood over your family, over your house. Deliverance. Every They came out of there with no sicknesses. They came out of there with prosperity. They had, I mean, you name it. It happened to them. And if the power of that meal was so powerful, how much more powerful this meal that we're taking today with the true thing of Jesus. So I want you to do this. I want you to take the cup. Lord, we thank you for the blood this morning. We bless you in the precious name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. Let's take the cup this morning. When you're able, stand up if you would. You know, the Lord's Supper was to be a very joyous time too. It was, it was to, listen, the Bible says Jesus, when he did it that night, he said, do this in remembrance, remembrance of me. And I don't know right now, but I want, you know, the, the Lord's Supper is to trigger remembrance. It's to trigger remembering the Lord and what he's done for you. How many of you were, were, at your wit's end before you met the Lord and the Lord saved you. How many of you were distressed? How many of you were out? How many were sick? How many? And listen, you met the Lord. And so your remembrance comes back. I remember. How many remember when you were at your dead end? I mean, had nowhere else to go. And Jesus came in and saved you this morning. So Lord, we thank you this morning again for your blood. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your health. We thank you, Lord, for the provisions of the, of the meal that you made for us. We thank you for shedding the blood of God. We thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. We thank you, Lord, for protecting us. We thank you, Lord, for saving our souls in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a great clap off today. Would you do that? Come on, let's, let's go ahead. Come on, everybody stand up and sing. Come on. I long to breathe the air of heaven Where pain is gone And mercy fills the sea yeah, Go ahead and put the words up. Look upon the one who to save Yes. And walk with Him for all eternity. There will be. Oh, there will be a day when all will bow before Him. There will be a day when death will be no more. Standing face to face With you died and rose again Holy, holy is the Lord Every breath we prayed in desperation The songs of faith we sang through doubt and 
action Stand beside the heroes of the faith And with one voice A thousand generations Sing worthy is the Lamb who was slain Oh, sing that again on that day And on that day We'll join the resurrection We stand beside the heroes of the faith Oh, with one voice A thousand generations Sing worthy is the Lamb who was slain He wants to be your Lord, Lord of everything in your life, Lord of your of, of everything. And maybe you're here today and you've never made him Lord. Maybe you feel like you've gone to church. You, no, listen, he's, he wants to be the Lord of your life. And the way you do that is you surrender and you say, not my will, but thine be done in every aspect of your life. In your integrity, in your purity, in your heart, in, in, in your money, in your goings, your comings, everything. So if you need to this morning, if you need, if you want him to be the Lord of your life, I want everybody to pray and let's help those that need to pray that. Say, dear God, thank you for sending your son, dying in my place, shedding his blood. I want to, I want it. I want you to do to me what you did to so many in this room. Save me, Lord. Change me. Protect me, God. I surrender all. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen one more time. Give Lord one more good clap offering.